Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, we're going to jump straight into it today. Is that okay? Well, you can turn to Acts chapter 2, very familiar passage for most of us. And as you do that, I'll just pray, Lord, we thank you that you are here with us. Thank you for worship, for your presence, your power. And Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and that you would move here this morning in great ways in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read snippets of this passage because most of us know the story of what happened at Pentecost, um, but I want to just summarise it and, uh, and then we'll bring a few things out of that. So I'll jump around, okay? So we'll start from verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked Aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And they list off a whole little lot of nations, different nations that they came from. Um, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Verse 14, then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen to carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on and gives Joel's prophecy. And then I want to just finish it somehow. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all who call on the Lord. And we know pretty much what happens then. 3,000, at least 3,000, because that's probably 3,000 men, were saved in that moment, on that day, it says. And that began a great revival in this region and that actually has not stopped to this day. This outpouring of the Spirit marks the birthing of the church. 
and it marks the spreading of the gospel. It also marks heavy, heavy persecution against Christians. And so we see the mocking of some is just the beginning of persecution against Christians. And we still see that today as well. And so we have those two things in tension. But what I want to bring out today is something that I've shared on this theme fairly regularly over the last six months or year. And I've called it the necessity of both. The necessity of both. What do I mean by that? What I mean is in the book of Acts, and if you read right through the book of Acts, you'll see so many demonstrations of the power of the Spirit. Um, This was quite a sovereign one, the Holy Spirit falling on people while they're praying, while they're worshipping, just seemingly sovereignly fell upon a bunch of people. And then you see the apostles going out and others going out, filled with the Spirit, doing great works in the power of the Spirit. And then at other times, you'll see them preaching and teaching and helping the poor and helping the sick. And you'll see them meeting together in groups, in house churches. And then you'll, you'll see the community growing and the love growing. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll read further that they're helping one another and there's a spirit of unity and blessing. Uh, but they're out there doing stuff. And so we see an, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then we see humanity responding to that outpouring in practical ways. And so what I mean by the necessity of both is this. We need the power of the Spirit and we need action with what He gives us. It's a divine tension. It's kind of like a left hand and a right hand. We need the power of the Spirit, His supernatural outworking, His releasing of His presence and His Spirit, signs and wonders, miracles, outpourings, revival, etc., etc. And then in the other hand, we need our own participation with what He's doing. We need obedience. We need faith. We need activity. We need deeds. We need works. And so sometimes, and in this day and age, it's so polarising in today's society, isn't it? You either believe one thing or another and people sum you up on the basis of that one belief. It used to just be your football team. Now it's your political party. Uh, and, then it, and then it goes even deeper. And so we, we in society love to polarise people and think the extremes of them. When a lot of us here in this room may have very mixed beliefs and understandings about all sorts of things. And so there's a crossing over of so many beliefs and understandings, which I think is healthy in a way because it it keeps us from being completely one-sided and blindsided, so to speak, in a polar opposite to everything else. And so here we can see that when we mix the two together on the, on, on, in Acts chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Spirit and then the outpouring of people, if you like, going and doing stuff with what He's poured in. We see a healthy, vibrant people. They didn't just come back the night after and say, do it again, Lord. As much as we want God to do it again, we've got to be obedient to what the Spirit wants because sometimes we're saying, do that again, when He's saying, I've done what I'm going to do, now go and do it. Go and do what I've called you to do in the power of the Spirit. I want to give you a very weird analogy and bear with me. Um, we have an Australian shepherd dog. His name's Buddy. We love him. Um, he's not super trained, but that's just the way it is. And um, he loves to run away to different farms and discover things. He often comes back smelling like dead kangaroo. 
but um, which is a very bad smell if you've never smelt dead kangaroo. But uh, anyway, so this morning I was just out by the uh, in the back area, just just praying, and and he was there with me, and and he was just nudging my hand the whole time, nudging me, and I realised, ah, oh, he's, he's wanting food again, and this dog is the hungriest dog you've ever seen. Um, he just eats and eats and eats and, until he feels sick and keeps going and going and going. And, and so um, Karen summed him up perfectly. He, he, uh, she said that it's, it's like we are vending machines. We are walking vending machines and he just sees us wherever we go. Oh, what can I get out of that one? Um, he doesn't see humans, he just sees vending machines. And so it's a funny picture, isn't it? But, but I got something from that when I was thinking about it. This one, he's nudging my hand and, uh, you know, I'm trying to pray and be all spiritual. And he's just nudging me. And I thought, isn't it interesting that the hungry do get fed? And the Bible does say, ask, seek and knock. And it's not that we see God as a vending machine, you know, give me a boost bar, give me a Coke, give me a packet of chips. But there is an element of hunger that God can't resist. He just can't resist. He loves it when his kids are hungry for intimacy with him, for relationship, with, for his presence. And I'm sure sometimes God overlooks our view of things and our weakness and our frailty and even our selfishness for when we're asking for things. Just like we do with our dog, we overlook the fact that, you know, he's just gone in and terrorise the house and there's fur everywhere and all this sort of stuff because he's there and he's still asking for food. Let's give him a treat. And I think God is a loving heavenly Father that wants to bless us and he wants to release good things to us. Doesn't mean we'll get everything whenever we want, but there's something of an element of the loving heart of God that I think we need to always remember. Even if we've stuffed up, even if we don't think we're good enough, even if we don't feel like it right now, He still loves you. He's still looking out for you. He's still going about planning how you can succeed in life and not fail, because that's His plan. I want to read from um, my favourite theologian, let's call him that. And, and the reason I really like R.T. Kendall is this, is because he's, a, he's a, a walking paradox in some ways. I think he's 85 now, so he's not a young man anymore, but he's still preaching all over the world. And um, he is normally known as a reformed theologian. So he's typically people would say he's more on the conservative side of theology. Uh, not so much the charismatic side of theology. And yet, he is a man who hungers and thirsts after the presence of God. I, I just listened to a podcast the other night. He'd just come back from Africa with Roland and Heidi Baker seeing miracles and loving it and, um, you know, and just, just loving God's presence. And so he wrote a book called this, Word, Spirit, Power. And I want to read a couple of excerpts. He says this, When we have the Word without the Spirit, we tend to dry up. If we have the Spirit without the Word, we tend to blow up. If we have both Spirit and Word, we tend to grow up and fire up. But when each is properly joined in common union, there is explosive power to be had. And... He's a man who preaches in, in both very conservative evangelical churches all over the world, particularly the US, and 
probably some of the most extreme revival, supernatural, crazy, charismatic churches as well. And, and he carries, I believe he carries an anointing for both. And one of his keys in this book is that when we join the two together, something significant happens. We don't have to polarise. Are you conservative? I'm going to write you off. Are you charismatic? You're just crazy town. You know, we don't have to have this mindset where it's one or the other. Jesus is number one. And as long as he's in place, then we have common ground. And on that common ground, he built his church. And so we can actually see that rather than polarising differences, rather than saying, oh, they believe that, they believe that, and focusing on that, we look at what do we have common ground on? I think God's doing this all over the world. In many, many places, people are gathering on common ground. And it's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. It doesn't mean we have to remove any of the you know, great things that we want to believe in, in our expression of our faith, our worship style and prayer style and laying on of hands and all that sort of stuff. But it means we can complement one another and we can agree on the main thing. That is Christ and Christ crucified. And that He's the one who's coming to save the world, to save the lost. And so when we have that view, we can look and say, well, Lord, bless, uh, you know, we definitely call ourselves more in the charismatic camp, going after the presence of God, the power of God, unapologetically, nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, we honour those who are forging the way in, in even in conservative evangelical circles, because it's incredible what God's doing in that world, if you like, as well. And so when we have this mindset, of word and spirit, or of both and, we don't have this exclusive invisible wall of separation anymore because it's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He loves to separate. He loves to divide. It's why he's the king of divorce. If you, if you separate marriages, then it's a, it's a great illustration of what he wants to do. And I'm not putting any guilt on anyone who's been through that, but I'm just saying the enemy is the king of divorce. And so because he, he was divorced from heaven. And so we can actually see that in that separation, it's not healthy. It's not God's heart. He actually wants to bring together and to unify and to empower. And we can see him doing this all over the earth. I want to read another excerpt from from R.T. Kendall. He says, The kingdom cannot be learned like other subjects such as science, geography and history. The kingdom is learned only through revelation by the Spirit. It cannot be explained, contained, or controlled. Thus, it is unexplainable, uncontainable, and uncontrollable. It is not taught as much as it's caught, and it's only through the Spirit can it be caught. It cannot be embraced, explained, applied, pursued, or entered without the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God enlightens us in the very first moment when we believed in Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that did that in the first place. So we can never separate the work of the Holy Spirit from the Word or from our beliefs or understanding because He instigated that in the first place or He predestined that, the Bible says. And so when we look at that, we say, wow, the Holy Spirit has been working all of your life just to chase you down, to get you to where you are today. And you know what? He's not going to stop. He's not going to leave you today and say, okay, now you struggle on your own. He is always with you. He will never leave you. He is... 
always working about for your good and your prosperity and your abundance and your fulfilment in this life until we join with Jesus in eternity. And so in today's chaotic day and day and age, we, it's just, you know, it's so crazy sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's difficult. You know, the, uh, look, I'll go there just for your tennis fans. But if you've ever watched a Nick Kyrgios game, tennis game, he's a little bit of a depiction of what the world is like right now. For a few sets, he's going gangbusters and then one set will hit him and it's dark, dark, dark. And this is what the human life is like sometimes. We're forging ahead and then there'll be resistance and there'll be struggles and there'll be trials. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to walk us through that stuff. And so we want to join these things together and recognise that if on the day of Pentecost... When the Spirit of God was poured out so powerfully, if even on that day, Peter needed to stand up and give good articulation, he gave an incredible historical account. If you ever want to summarise history, Peter summarises it in Acts chapter 2 really, really well, right back to the beginning of time. And then he gives us a quick snapshot so that everyone listening hears an articulation of the gospel. And this is what happens sometimes. God pours out His Spirit and He says, I'm going to empower you to be the best version of you. I am going to fill you with so much of my Spirit so you can go out and do my works in your body. My works in your region. I will give you my power so you can have influence. And it's interesting that He wants to use you. He wants to use you. Some of us feel like we've been left behind, we've missed it, or someone else has got all the tickets and I haven't got any tickets. I want to say to you, everyone has an opportunity in the kingdom. Everyone has an opportunity. No one misses out. Everyone has an opportunity to say yes. And sometimes that's all we need to say. Even if you don't feel like it or think you're good enough, then you're exactly a great candidate for the love of God and the power of God. Because sometimes a yielded spirit receives in even an easier way because there's not those blockages of pride and arrogance. And so I want to summarise what I'm saying today and it's something that we've journeyed through really all our lives is seasons of outpouring, seasons of seeing God move powerfully in in us, in our church, in our region, other churches, and and God will do it again. And uh, but there's also seasons saying, okay, God, you've you've done that, and now I'm gonna be faithful with the little you've given me. I'm gonna be faithful with whatever you've given me, even if it means stepping out in obedience. A new year often means fresh obedience. I don't know why, but there's just a fresh opening. There's fresh opportunities. There's fresh eyes. Maybe we've let go of the baggage of last year or the year before. And so we're looking in a new perspective. Some are saying 2020 vision with fresh clarity. And I want to encourage us today is to look at the necessity of both. We need the power of the Holy Spirit and we need His power in us working. And so it's like faith and works. James talks about this. Faith and works. Presence and action. 
faith and deeds. There's many of these things. It's a divine tension that we'll never fully get our head around. But I want to encourage us today, just like we did in worship, to receive fresh from Him. 